Hello everyone, it's your host Thomas Larson, and before we get into today's episode, I would like to give a quick shout out to the Easy App. Easy App, spelled E-A money sign Y, is made for college students by college students and is trying to increase collaboration among students and put money in their pockets so they can spend more time exploring life outside of college. They have created a platform where students can make money and free up time by offering each other gigs like help moving furniture, assembling furniture, driving and picking up, uh, and other you know various activities in college. Go check them out on the App Store and download today and sign up and you know post your first gig. Now let's get into the episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Thomas Larson here today with our guest live on Zoom. Our guest graduated from Loyola High School in the class of 2021 and now attends Feather River Community College in Northern California. He plans on transferring to Worcester State University, uh, Wu State as they call it, um, and will be a part of their class of 2025. Please welcome Malcolm Hawkins. Hello, hello. How are you Thanks doing, for inviting me on, Thomas? <laughs> oh, you're more than welcome. I'm glad to have you on here. <clears throat> so, uh, Malcolm, let's get into it. What's your major? So, currently at uh, Feather River College, I am just a history major. They don't really offer minors because it's a junior college. But when I transfer over to Woo State, um, I'll be a history major with a minor in journalism. History major with a minor in journalism. I think you're our first history major on this podcast, so congrats. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, what got you into this uh, major and minor? Well, I mean, uh, some of my plans for the future included law school, and one of the easier pathways to certain law schools is a history degree. And also, I was always interested in becoming a teacher. There's sort of a deficit of male teachers, but in particular, Black male teachers in the United States education system currently. So um, that was a career path that I wanted to set myself for in the future. And I generally, I've always gravitated towards history since about middle school. I think my eighth grade year, I won this award for like outstanding history student during my graduation ceremony. So my friends thought it was pretty funny how in certain classes I would get like a lot of things right. But there's one specific moment where uh, they asked who who invaded uh, America during the Revolutionary War, who was the general? And I said, George Washington on accident. And so that was one pretty funny moment I was in middle school. But uh, yeah, I've always gravitated towards history, I think. Wow, that's awesome. So you're always kind of, you know, we're in that realm of history and had a fascination for it. Is there any um, particular era that you like to focus on, Uh, you know, whether it's like thousands of years ago or like, you know, 50 years ago or even today? I mean, history is being written all around us as as we speak. I mean, uh, currently I for my website, I'm I have a website called TateTalks.net and I'm working on two pieces about how the Soviet Union and it's like it falling apart impacted uh, how football or soccer, uh, the product we see today on the field, how that event really changed it because a lot of the owners or people involved in the business sector have really capitalized on Russia and the oligarchs that are there now. So that was that's an era of history that I've been researching currently. But I would say the past couple of years, uh, 
I was mainly looking at the evolution of the Catholic Church. I converted to Catholicism 2019, early 2020, I think, uh, my junior year at Loyola. So that was something I was researching. And then um, I'm African-American, so I have spent a lot of time studying uh, the roots of uh, African-American identity, as well as just um, modern pop culture and where certain trends or certain things come from that sort of were created from the Black community. So I guess those three. That is awesome. And all three kind of seem to uh, come together in your life as, you know, they're uh, kind of fundamental um roots of yourself that's that's really cool that you know you kind of have three different focuses right now but very important to you and very important to uh so the world around us i mean um and you're you talked about you know uh tatetalks.net is your yeah. uh kind of your blog that i i just seen um for the first time a couple of weeks ago when we started uh getting back in touch because I, I went to high school with malcolm and we didn't really talk too much but i you know we were friendly yeah, we, were, we were always we were always cordial i mean it was always cordial it was there it was sort of hard to like reach out and make connect mm-hmm. connections especially because like i think around our senior year or junior year covid really hit yeah covid hit and it was rough and then freshman and sophomore year you sort of have like a core group of guys and our our friend groups were sort of in proximity to one another but we weren't like super together yeah so like loyal is a commuter school so you and I probably lived like I'm from South LA. Where are you from again, Thomas? I'm from Upland, so I'm like you know, yeah, way that's, that's pretty far ahead of it. <laughs> like, I know a lot it, of it's different than like a lot of other public schools or private schools where the kids in your that you go to school with live pretty close to you. Versus, I have friends from Loyola who I had one. I had a lot of friends from Burbank, a lot of friends from Inglewood, which is really close to South LA, and then I had some people in the South Bay and other places like that. But yeah. Uh, we, we definitely were, we were friendly, but we, I wouldn't say we were friends for sure. Yeah, no, but it's, it's nice that, uh, you know, Malcolm actually reached out to me to be on this podcast and he had interest and I was like, cool. And we, you know, exchanged socials again. And then I got to see his uh, tatetalks.net and you've been, you've been grinding out different articles. <laughs> so I'm cool. I'm, I'm actually that I'm going to look forward to that article about the Soviet union and how that. Yeah. I'm probably, uh, probably looking to release the first one of the two. In about two weeks, I just been spending a lot of time researching it, and I'm probably gonna. They're probably gonna be like six or seven minute reads. Most of the articles that I have produced currently, they take about like two or three minutes to read, so they're not super long. But these ones are probably gonna be my longer ones. I'm probably only gonna write like two or three of these extensive long pieces per year, just because how long they take and how busy I am with soccer and then also schoolwork. So yeah, this is going to be the first of probably two this first year with the website, but I'll see how things go in the summer. That is awesome. I mean, uh, you know, one thing I love to talk about on this podcast are passions and, you know, extracurriculars that one might do. And uh, you kind of are talking about this place where you have been able to merge your passion for whatever you talk about. I know you talk a lot about sports on the Tate talks, but also with your history kind of coming into there. And now you mentioned you play soccer. So how is that? Um, how is it being a student athlete in college right now for you? So currently I'm at a junior college. Junior, the JUCO experience really depends on what sport you're going for. Football is probably the toughest. Soccer is sort of in that middle section, basketball also in that middle section. 
but it's definitely a grind. My junior college is pretty unique. Uh, my living situation, I have a full kitchen. I just have, I have a dorm, which is, there's only like, I think 13 JUCOs in California that have dorms. FRC is one of them. Um, and honestly, it really just comes down to your comfortability with the coaching staff. Uh, that was one thing that was a really big factor in me making my decision to come here and also to leave because college sports, it's a business at the end of the day. And my coach here that I had, Artie Tyrell, was a great man, great coach. We had a pretty good year here. We unfortunately lost our first round of playoffs, but we had a really good run. Um, we won our, our league title. We well, congratulations. Coach That's coach awesome. Technically, but we, 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 we had a good, we had a good season. Personally, awesome. I did our, Personally, I did all right, four goals, two assists, but I did have some moments. This one game in particular, I got the worst red card in my career, so that happened. Uh, <laughs> That's but, rough. Uh, as, like, this this year was great, and then we come back for the spring, and we have a really hard-to-heart, and I won't get into like, too much of the personal details, but basically. Yeah, no worries. Just sure Artie what you is like no to longer, Artie's no longer here. So when that when I found out that decision, I was already looking and contacting other schools, Wooster State, one of them. And when he said he was leaving, I basically confirmed that, all right, my time here is done. And you should be willing to understand that you might have to leave a place earlier than you expected. Because when I came here initially, I thought I was going to stay two years and then go somewhere else and either redshirt my junior year or just play white array and get through my four years of eligibility. But sometimes God's plan's weird. You gotta leave or stay a little extra, an extra year. But most of the time, it works out in the end. And my advice for young athletes, especially with soccer, is um, try and learn as many systems as you can. Be as well versed in whatever type of coaching, or try and be as coachable as possible. And if you're a player who you know you can play multiple positions, let the coaches know that because that's something that is highly valued, especially if you can play at a competent level at all of those other positions. I initially came in thinking I was going to be a defender. Things didn't work out that way, and I was playing striker. Now, I had a good run of form here and there, but I did have some patches where I was inconsistent. When I was inconsistent, I was put back at defender when other people got injured. So at the end of the day, uh, you just have to sort of work as hard as you can and really value the time you have with your JUCO teammates. And when you're reaching out to coaches, try and be as professional and proper as possible because sometimes, and like one thing that I had was some of my highlight tapes, <laughs> I had music that had just a, a little bit of a distasteful language in there. My dad, he, I love, I love him so much. He was all like, hey, cut it out. Just put the instrumental. You're good. So that's <laughs> just another piece of advice. <laughs> yeah. How, tell us about that. We haven't had a real, uh, I don't think we've had a student athlete on the podcast yet. How, how was that kind of process of making a highlight reel? Because I know uh, um, I've actually made a highlight reel for my sister who's in high <laughs> school for her basketball, um, you know, uh, shtick that she's doing right now. But tell us a little bit about that process of reaching out to coaches. Like, you know, um, was it difficult or more easier than you thought it was going to be? How, how was that process for you? So initially I had about, I would say the, I had 12 offers 
heading into, I would say, March, May 1st, which is decision day. But a lot of these offers and schools are Division three or Division two or NAI. And my grades at Loyola weren't the best. I ended with around a 3.1 weighted, 2.9 unweighted. Uh, my freshman and sophomore year was a real culture change because uh, the schools I went to previously were charter or public schools and sort of the grind of the Jesuit system I wasn't used to. I turned around my junior year and then senior year, they really didn't take those grades into consideration. So I ended with 3.0 GPA mark. For uh, soccer and other sports that aren't really as profitable, um, they're really looking for GPA boosters on their team as well as talented players. But some coaches have admitted, they told me like, hey, we would take you if you were 25% less talented, but you had a 4.0 because that looks good on our resume and that's something the school likes. So when it comes to reaching out to coaches, though, you really want to get a list of, well, first, first things, you want to get an evaluation from someone who is not super close to you because a lot of coaches fall in love with a player and instead of falling in like with a player, when you fall in like with a player, you can understand him and you can care for him, but you also understand that he has flaws. Sometimes coaches, especially in the club system, they fall in love with a player and they just refuse to correct them on certain things or certain errors that they have. It's pretty prevalent in soccer, especially with pay to play and all the other stuff. So find a, find a coach or just someone who's, who has fallen in like with you. It's sort of a weird phrase, but just if you understand what I'm saying, you get me. Yeah. Then once you understand what level you're at, see, am I happy with that level? I was told I'm a low end division one, high end division two or three player. And I was happy with that. All right. So those were the schools that I reached out to. If I wasn't happy with that, I would have had to work a lot, a lot harder within a short time span to get to that high D1, mid D1 level and then get another evaluation see, and change my entire process. Usually you want to start reaching out the summer of your sophomore year, your entire junior year, sort of get in a habit of sending one email per week. Then the, excuse me, then the summer of your junior year is when you really want to hammer down. And then by the start of your senior year, you should have a top 10 or top five and then before May 1st, you need to have only two or three schools you're reaching out to. Because if you have too many schools or just too many people blowing sweet promises in your ear, it's not going to work. And these coaches are pretty brutal. Like, there's one coach where I said, hey, you know, with the finances, I don't think it's going to work. And he literally unadded me and blocked my number. <laughs> and blocked your number i'm kidding you not this man looked my parents straight in the <laughs> eye. this man looked my parents right in the eye and said i want your son on my program and when i when i asked for help didn't get it that's how that's how brutal it is but in that brutality you will find friends and coaches that you'll remember forever i just one semester at this college i witnessed and saw things that i'll always remember when I'm like an old man in my eighties. All right. So it's worth it. And if you're a player who you're not so sure on the Juco path and you're not sure if you truly love the game, I'm going to be brutal and say, don't do it. Cause it's not for everyone. And I've seen guys who thought, Hey, you know, this is going to be a piece of cake. Is this junior college? No, 
it, it's it's rough. So that's all I gotta say on uh, on that, I guess. No, that's awesome. And we're running a little short on time here. Thank you so much for talking. You know about uh, you know your love for history and your uh, you know Mal Tate talk or Tate talks. Yeah. It's uh, tatetalks.net. Please, everyone, go check that out. Uh, you know, support our guest here today. And, you know, your, your process and in getting uh, into soccer and JUCO and further. I mean, it's a very important that, you know, these our audience listens to these stories and hears the truth about the processes if they don't know it, you know. And you're, we're really honest and honest with us, honest with yourself. I appreciate you telling us that story can, and opening up. Can I here. tell one embarrassing story? Sure. Do you, you want to end with that? We can end. Yes, I'll, I'll I usually I'll, go some wise words of wisdom. <laughs> we can so, find some wisdom in this embarrassment. Never, never do this if you are. So it's a Thursday before a Friday game. All right. Basically, I, I arrived on time to training, but I was having some bowel issues so i was in the porter potty for basically the majority of stretching so my coach is a little pissed because hey i haven't been doing the proper warm-up and i say something really idiotic i say i warmed up in my dorm coach never never say that again oh no throughout the scrimmage i'm doing all right but he has me playing in a certain position and someone else playing somewhere else the guy he has playing in the more advanced striker position uh He's suffering from like some knee issues, but uh, he's doing all right. So, or no, he's on the wing and he, and I'm at striker, but normally at striker, you don't have to move as much uh, horizontally and laterally the wing. You have to do more running off ball and other stuff like that. So I'm like, Hey, let's switch. Let's try and win the scrimmage game. The point of the scrimmage was not, <laughs> to do that not just to win it was to follow his instructions and his tactics and he blows the whistle after a ball was out of bound he's wondering why the guy he put on the wing is that striker and why i'm i'm wing and not at striker and we go back and forth on it long story short um your coach is probably going to be like a dictator and just listen to him because at the end of the day he's right next the game on friday i scored a goal so we were fine after that, but uh, never, uh, never try and think you're smarter than you actually are and uh, just be willing to learn, especially if the coach is like significantly older than you. He's seen it probably a thousand times before. So, yeah, that's it. That is that's some great advice. And, you know, thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for being here again. I appreciate it so much to our audience. Thank you guys for listening. And on that note, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks.